Pro Talk with ProTech, digging deep to learn the stories, lessons, and accomplishments of experts in the real estate industry. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Today, we get to meet top real estate agent Sharice Calendar Scott with DCA Realtors. It's so nice to see you, Sharice. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. How are you? Yeah, absolutely. I am doing fantastic. Can't complain. Um, Just to kind of get things started, let's hear a little bit more about you. How long have you been in the real estate industry and what made you want to be an agent? So interesting. I am approaching a decade uh, in this industry, which is crazy um, because it's never something I thought I would do. Um, My background is in journalism and media and marketing, um, but my mom has been in real estate for 40 years. And so as a kid growing up, we would be going to open houses and be like, when is this over, mom? Um, And I always thought she was just selling houses. When I came on board with her, it was really to help her with her marketing because that was my background. And um, she's like, you know, why don't you just go ahead and get your license? Like this could be our family business, our family legacy. And I was like, I never thought about it in that way. So after 16 years of, you know, doing media, that question coming to me, I was in a mature space where I could really appreciate what she was saying. And so that's what I did. I got my license and my first transaction, you know, was an older couple that really needed help. They were approaching foreclosure and I was able to advocate for them. And so my whole purpose and passion for journalism was I wanted to educate empower and inspire people to get what it is they needed in life. And then my first transaction in real estate helped me to do that for family. So I was sold at that point that, wow, like this is what I've been set up to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Isn't that so funny how, you know, things just come full circle. I'm also a journalism major um, and now I'm in the real estate industry. So things just work (laughs) out in a different way than you had planned. Full circle. Yeah, absolutely. That's storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, And then do you have a team? Tell me a little bit about that. So the team. So our brokerage is Desiree Calendar and Associates Realtors. Like I said, you know, my mom is the broker. She is Desiree Calendar. Um, We do have agents that work with us, but we're a small little cohort. Um, We call ourselves a boutique style um, brokerage, very hands on. We do all types of real estate from your luxury homes to your bank owned properties, to your new construction, to your on your lot builds. So we've got a pretty vast um, portfolio of the type of real estate that we do. And each agent kind of has their own specialty that they can uh, zero in on. So we love kind of having that um, diversity in the office and anyone who wants to come with us, it's, it, we really kind of zero in on what is it that you want to do? You know, real estate is so broad. There's so many different aspects, but what's the niche that's going to make you happy doing this every day? Because that's where you find your success. You got to be happy doing what, doing what you do, you know, every day. So I love that. Um, and what areas do you guys kind of service or focus on? Yeah. So our office is based in Bowie, Maryland, which is in Prince George's County. Um, and that is pretty much where um, the majority of the brokerage uh, 
you know, has established itself, um, but also Montgomery County, which is where I live now. So we we kind of say Bowie to Silver Spring is our um, niche area. We tend to capture right in there, but we go all over, um, you know, Anne Arundel, Howard County being uh, we have bank clients, right? We went through that whole crash. Actually, the brokerage launched in 07. So it was just before the crash, you know, and so when my mom decided decided to start her own brokerage, the intent was to nurture and, you know, train up a new generation of realtors. But when the market changed, you know, the dynamic of the business model had to change, too. Now it's like, OK, we have to learn how to pivot and do this new thing. Um, so working with the banks directly, it really kind of takes you all over the state. You know, you're in Kent County and Charles County and all these counties are just like, I would have never come out here if it wasn't for, you know, being in this industry and being in this um, and being in this space. So we could definitely say we have a, a broad scope of experience um, and a broad scope of territory. But our focus generally brings us right back to Prince George's and Montgomery counties, which are our base Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. I love that, you know, you have that focus area, but you're willing to go wherever your clients need you. Um, and I think that's really important, especially in this market where you don't even know where you're going to be tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We get a lot of clients that come from out of the country, mm-hmm. come from out of state, you know, people find us online. So, you know, having that, um, that perspective gives us the opportunity to really educate them, you know, on what is it that you want in a community? What is it that you want in an area? Okay, you're moving here. Where are you going to be working? You know, so we're not limited in the information that we can give to our buyers um, or our sellers, right? So that they have options on what they need to do. Yep, absolutely. I love that. And you said you've been doing this for about a decade now. Um, So what would you say would be the craziest thing that you've seen in a home this far? I would say, so again, I think it was with a bank owned property in Pasadena, um, Maryland. It was a cute little house on the water, needed a lot of work. Um, And so we would have to go and inspect these properties to let the bank know exactly what the condition was. And we're just like walking through, walking through. It's very nerve wracking. Go upstairs in the, um, the like attic room and it was filled with mannequin heads. So imagine you're like in this, you know, abandoned house on the water, little cottage style. You go upstairs and it's like 50 mannequin heads and that's it. I was really freaked out. By, no by bodies, that. just the heads. It was just the heads. There's no hair on them or anything. So you're just kind of like all these eyes looking at you. I mean, that was, um, that was pretty scary. It kind of felt like I was in a, in a horror movie. We got out of there quick, fast, in a hurry because we were like, this is too weird. Yeah. <laughs> you see a lot of, um, you know, interesting things in terms of like how a home is configured. And you're like, how does this room connect to here? But I think that experience stands out the most to me because it really just tripped me out. I was like, what are they doing with all these mannequin heads? Yeah, exactly. It makes you wonder like what went on here before I walked in? their story. Yeah. Brings you back to journalism. Like what's the story here? I don't want to know. Let me get out of (laughs) here. Yeah. Better that you don't know probably. Um, And so if I'm buying a home, what would you say would be the most important thing that I would need to know from an agent's perspective? Definitely. From an agent's perspective, you need to know what you can do right? What is your financial 
profile look like? And I think sometimes that's almost the buyer's biggest fear. It's almost, it's like, you need to know that, but they're afraid to know that um, sometimes. Uh, a lot of people come and they kind of just want to start looking at houses right away. And I'm just like, listen, before you can even really start to look at the houses, you need to understand what your financial position is and how you can leverage it. You know, what's your strategy? Is this going to be a short-term purchase, you know, like five to 10 years, or are you looking for your forever home? So um, I always try to get them to focus on what their current financial um, situation is, and then focus on what is your financial situation look like to you in 10 years? And because that's going to determine what type of purchase this is for you, most likely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so um, if I'm a seller, what would you say would be the most important thing that I would need to prepare for? As a seller, it's kind of twofold. The first thing is you need to know where you're going, right? <laughs> um, because that's going to determine, again, the strategy that we take to put your house on the market and prepare you. You know, we don't want to just come in and list your house. And it's like, oh, it's sold in two days and you don't have a plan for where you're going or what you're doing. Um, so I always would say, what is your idea? What is your timeline? Where are you going? What is your plan? What are your goals for after you sell your house? And then um, focusing on making sure your house is ready for the next buyer, um, not just kind of putting it up in any kind of condition, because if you want to be able to get top dollar for it, that doesn't mean you need to renovate your kitchen and renovate your bathrooms, but, you know, taking the steps to do like some minor things like clean, uh, you know, organize. I always tell people, just start packing. You're selling your house. Just go ahead and start packing, boxing up, getting rid of things. And, and that puts you in the best position to sell your home and sell it quickly for top dollar. Yeah, absolutely. Declutter for sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Love that. Um, and then talk to me a little bit about what the current market is like. How would I know when the best time to buy or sell would be? The market is interesting. I mean, and it's changing every day. I would say the best time to put your home on the market or to buy a home is when it's your time. You know, um, it's always going to change. It's always going to be different. People are like, oh, I hear the spring market is going to do this, this and this. But, you know, we just went through a year of COVID where the spring market wasn't like spring markets anywhere else. You know, there's always so many variables. So I encourage people like just focus on what your goal is. And then let's talk about how you can achieve that goal in the best way, regardless of, you know, what the circumstances are. You know, right now, Rates are great for buyers. You know, um, the supply is low in terms of, of, you know, the seller market. So the demand is high and you're seeing prices go up. Um, But I mean, that could change. You know, if an influx of homes come on the market in the next couple of months, then the demand and those, you know, way over list price and appraisal differentials could go out the window. So don't base your strategy on just what the market is doing right now. Base it on what you need to do for your household and your family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. That's great advice. Wouldn't it be nice to have a crystal ball and just say, you know, in a year, mm-hmm. this is what it looks like. We would be so rich. <laughs> we would be. We would be. We would be like, plan it now. <laughs> yeah, it would be amazing. Um, and then, so what big changes are you seeing happening in the industry and how are you personally shifting to adjust? I think one of the biggest changes I've seen um, so far, and it kind of plays back to that supply and demand thing, are my buyers who come into the market with one idea, and then it's like new construction. Um, 
we have sold a lot of new construction this year um, to the point where we are now working directly with builders. You know, um, we need to build the home that our buyers want to see because it's not out here. Um, you know, people are, are innovative in their spirit. You know, they're looking for something creative. You know, so the homes that were built in the 90s for some people, it's just like not getting it, um, you know, for them. So that has been an interesting and fun pivot, you know, looking at uh, new construction and how to build the homes that our buyers are looking for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's really interesting. I think that, you know, how do you see that changing in the next year or so? Do you see that changing or how do you see it shifting a little bit? I think people are going to likely start looking for land, you know, and, and really uh, focusing on land acquisition uh, to be able to develop. Um, builders are doing great. Now, the cost of building is going up as well. So, it's, it, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword where um, some buyers are, are being priced out when they're going to like a traditional builder. Like every two units that they're selling, the price goes up. Um, So they can only do that, but for so long. So I think that's going to be interesting to see all these new developments that have come online in the last year that are doing gangbusters. I mean, they're selling out like that, you know, first through fifth phase of um, development. You know, you're seeing people number 330 in line on a waiting list for a new construction community. And you're just like, are you ever really going to get, you know, to that number? So we're either going to see, you know, the the prices of those new construction homes come down, which is going to hurt that market. Um, Something's got to give. It can't really kind of keep going on that long. So I've got my eye on that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, what that looks like in a year or so. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, And so with all of these moving pieces to real estate, what would you say would be your favorite thing about the industry? My favorite thing about the real estate industry is the people. I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy learning about their story and their journey um, and being a part of the transition for them. Um, you know, whether they're selling or buying, it's just always so interesting to know kind of how people got to where they are and, um, you know, how and, and where their focus develops for where they want to go. And um, being there as like a trusted resource uh, to help guide them along this part of their journey, um, it makes a big difference. And so that's what I enjoy the most. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And do you prefer working with buyers or sellers or do you have a preference? I don't. I I feel like a lot of our sellers are buyers, you know, (laughs) and our buyers will one day be sellers. Uh, So when we're in the market, I usually do a pretty good job of helping them understand both sides. You know, when you're working on negotiating a transaction, it's like, yeah, you always want the best for the person you're representing in that moment. But in helping them to come to grips with the terms that you're putting in a contract, their ability to understand the other side helps them to, you know, do a better job of that and not just kind of think about their self, because sometimes that could cut you later. Yep. Absolutely. I love that. And then let's talk about a really challenging time for you and how you overcame it. And this can be personally or professionally. Mm -hmm. So I think the most challenging um, in this business has been the financial piece, you know, working in an industry where you're an employee and you've got, um, you know, your regular pay every two weeks and you've got your, you know, your W-9 and you're, you know, you're just like regular taxes, things like that. 
um, coming into this business and then kind of being self-employed and self-motivated, learning how to budget, learning how to finance, learning how to, you know, manage your household on a commission-based, you know, fully commission-based structure versus, you know, regular pay. I think that was the most challenging because it was such a huge learning curve. It happened very immediately. <laughs> um, so the way we overcame that was learning how to do it, you know, talking to professionals, right, that could help us to establish how to do our taxes the right way, um, that could help us to position, you know, how we budget for certain things, learning how to save, you know, um, taking those steps are what helped to, you know, helped us to overcome that period. Yeah, absolutely. I can see where that could be a challenge too. you know, having your set like nine to five schedule and then now being, you know, pretty much self-employed and being able to have that flexibility and, you know, really dedicating some time to work and then dedicating your not enough time, but maybe some time to yourself, you know, it's just like that balance I think can be hard for some people. And I've heard that from a few different agents and thinking about it in my own life, I'm like, I don't want to give myself too much time, but I also would give myself a little bit more time than, you know, a nine to five schedule. It was um, really interesting. And I, you know, sometimes my mom and I, we compare and contrast because she had just my brother and myself. So it was two of us. Um, you know, my dad was very supportive when she had to be out and about. And for me, I have, you know, we had five in our household at one point, um, you know, four all together. And, you know, from toddler to college age students. So, you know, just that alone is, <laughs> you know, you want to, you know, you want to be present for your family. Um, so the way, you know, I've been able to do that is I engage, you know, we engage the whole household and what we're doing when we're looking for houses, you know, I'm teaching the kids, like, this is how much this type of house is. And this is how much this type of house is. And if you want to be able to buy this kind of house, like this is how much money you need to make. So, you know, kind of incorporating them into um, what we do, um, I think has been beneficial. It helps with the balance because they understand what mom is doing. Um, and so they can appreciate when I have to be gone. And then when I come back, you know, it's like, they ask me, you know, oh, so how did that go? And, you know, then when we close on something, I'm like, remember that house? Da, 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 da. They're like, oh, wow, that's so cool. So, you know, little things like that, you learn how to um, balance better just from living through it. Yeah. Do you think they'll join the business one day? You know, my, um, my 13 year old is very interested in interior design. My um, 11 year old, he's like big on Minecraft and, and Fortnite, but like part of that is building and engineering. Um, and then my six year old, I mean, she just, she's stylish. So she's like, I like this kind. So they all have piqued an interest in it in different areas. So whether they'll be a realtor or um, engage in some aspect of the industry, we're definitely, you know, positioning them to do whatever it is that they want to do and just nurturing their interest in the business. We'll see how it turns out. <laughs> yeah, we'll see in about in maybe 10, 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then let's kind of switch gears here and talk about your biggest life achievement, something that you're really proud of or passionate about. <sighs> That's a big one. Um, well, I would say something that was a pretty big achievement that 
probably nobody except the people who knew it happened um, know about is remember I was talking about advocacy and really kind of being an advocate. So somehow in all of this, I um, am an education and real estate advocate, right? Um, and a lot of the committees and boards that I sit on are like legislative in scope. Um, and what I found is that the ability to tell stories and to engage community and sharing their stories and testimony have, um, you know, positioned me and the colleagues that I work with to make change, you know, in policy. Um, and so there was a period where the education budget um, in Montgomery County was short. Um, they weren't able to kind of move forward with some of the um, development plans for their capital budget. And there was a big um, decision on the table as to whether or not to increase a recordation tax. And um, I went before the county council and I testified in that space to help them understand why the decision was so important. And it wasn't a popular position with my realtor base because in their eyes, they were looking at it like, if you increase the recordation tax, then people aren't going to be able to buy houses and it's going to make it, you know, less affordable for them. And then from the education perspective, it was like, if we don't get this money, then we can't build these schools to support these communities in that, you know, where people are trying to buy homes and they're looking for a solid, you know, school system. So it was kind of that balance of the buyer and the seller, right? Mm -hmm. Having to bring them, bring the two together to understand both sides of the coin. And it's like that incremental increase in recordation tax, most buyers don't even realize they're paying that anyway. But they ended up dubbing me the $20 million lady because from that advocacy, I got booed and everything else, you know, from my realtor colleagues, but I didn't really care, you know, because at the end of the day, I understood the importance of that decision. Um, it got 20 million extra dollars, you know, for the education budget and a lot of school projects that were on hold got greenlit to move forward um, in our communities. And so people are still buying houses. And these schools that wouldn't have been built or wouldn't have gotten the additions that they needed to support all these students and families that are buying homes in these communities now have capacity. Mm -hmm. So that is something that I hold dear because it was just like, wow, I, I never saw myself being in a position like that. I, I didn't know um, how much was at stake when I went up there and gave that testimony. But when, um, you know, people were coming up to me and they're just like, you made that happen. I was just like, man, that's powerful. And mm -hmm. so um, from that, just trying to teach other people how to do that and um, to not be afraid to lift their voice because it can make a huge difference. Maybe not in something, you know, tangible that you can see or that everybody can see right away, but you know that you help to make that happen. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, is there one particular thing or something that may be a chain of events that, you know, got you really interested in being that advocate or is what really like pushed you to do that? I think, 
you know, growing up, I've always been, I call myself justice girl, you know, it's just like, you just want to see justice for all. (laughs) Um, And so I mentioned, you know, five kids, right. Um, Seeing them kind of go through school, um, you know, our oldest went through Montgomery County um, high school and he actually, we started in Prince George's. Then he transitioned to um, Montgomery County and he really had a, a tough time. You know, the, the counselor engagement, um, you know, just kind of getting the guidance that you would expect that you're going to get. Um, and then kind of seeing that it wasn't really there. Um, you know, people who have kids, multiple kids, you kind of know like your first kid is like the test child. Like you don't know what you're doing. You're just like... <laughs> going along with it, trying to make sure that everything is on point. But then um, my oldest daughter who came behind him, she was going through the same thing, you know, Montgomery going to the same high school and everything. And so we knew at that moment that we had to do something um, to change the dynamic. And when we recognized that um, being present and being involved and being engaged was a way to do that. Um, I ended up, let me just tell, tell you this story. <laughs> I ended up registering at my, um, my oldest, no, rewind. We moved to a house. I'm, I'm on camera. This is, she's not really like camera, right? <laughs> This is Daria. She likes to pop in on my on my podcast all the time. She's in kindergarten now. So cute. But um, when we moved to um, Silver Spring, the school that uh, my kids went to went to the parent, you know, PTA orientation, back to school night thing, and they had all these different committees that you could sign up for. There was one in particular. It was called the delegate for the Montgomery County Council of PTAs. And um, nobody was over there to tell anyone what that role did or what the responsibility was. Um, And nobody has signed up for it. And I was just like, well, I've been a delegate in high school and I've been a student representative in college. I guess I could probably do this. Um, And then it thrusted me into this whole world of education advocacy, you know? And I'm like, We have all these kids that have been going to public school all this time. We've been very engaged and involved in our PTA, but we never knew that this branch existed for the purpose of advocating and making change for our schools and for our students and for our communities. Can I go outside, please? No, you got to get dressed and ready for for (laughs) this day. But, um, you know, so... So in that moment, it was just like, wow, people don't even know that this exists. Like parents who are engaged don't know that this is a, that this exists. So imagine those parents who aren't as engaged, like that really need the help, that really need the support, don't even recognize there's an opportunity there for them to get it. So, um, you know, I started going to these trainings and they would have these big conferences. And then I'm like, oh, there's like a state level of this thing. Um, and there's a national level of this thing. And it really does culminate as a huge voice um, for, you know, supporting the rights of students um, and their families and schools. Um, and then for me as a realtor, 
It's like, I'm always dealing with families, you know, people who have kids. A lot of times their question is, well, I want to be by the best school, you know, and I want to, I want to move to this area because this school district I've heard it's the best. And I'm just like, you know what, you are who make your school district the best. You know, if you move into a community that doesn't have the best school district and you can be a parent that's present and active in that school to help advocate for what you feel your child needs, like you make the difference. And so that's kind of how it all evolved. And then with Prince George's County, I ended up on the legislative committee for our board of realtors. And even though the focus there was more real estate, um, you know, we find ourselves reviewing bills and legislation that are related to education. So it just was a very natural thing. It wasn't anything that I went looking for. I just was in a space where, um, I saw the importance in both. I had a position and perspective on both and um, have been able to bring you know, value to it, which I'm very thankful for and encouraged to others to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. I love your passion about it. I can tell that you're just very a very passionate person in general. And I think that you know, bringing, you need somebody who brings that passion to the table. And you're absolutely right. I mean, you, I'm sure you hear all the time. I know we definitely hear all the time, you know, people who want to move into a neighborhood that is close to a good school system. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've never thought it, about it from that perspective of, you know, it's always going to be the same unless you have, you know, the right people coming into the neighborhood and you really do make it make a difference, um, you know, for the school system. So that's a really excellent point. And you put it in a perspective that I had never heard of before. So I really appreciate that, too. Awesome. I'm glad. See, now you can be an advocate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Definitely. Um, and then tell me something that most people probably don't know about you. Do you have any hobbies or fun facts? Yeah. Fun facts. I love to dance. I think my family, like my extended family, when we have get togethers, like they know that. Um, but we frequently have dance parties in my house. My daughters <laughs> like to challenge me. And then when they see my moves, they're like, oh, mom, you got some... <laughs> You've got some moves. You know, I'm a pretty chill, you know, person, pretty low key um, until I need not to be low key. Uh, But uh, so I think most people wouldn't see me like on a dance floor uh, having a good time. But um, that's that's one of my favorite things to do. When I was in college, I, you know, you go to the clubs and it wasn't like to drink or to meet people. I really just wanted to go to dance like. I'm like, I don't even need you to dance with me. Just give me some room <laughs> so we can make it happen in here. <laughs> yeah, I love that outlet too. You know, it's definitely a stress reliever when yeah. you're, you're in good it. exercise too. Turn yeah. some good music on and just do your thing. It's it's good. Yeah. So it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> I, love that. I love that. Um, and then are you currently reading any books or listening to any podcasts? How do you generally like to gain your knowledge? through life, Um, you know, coming through the news, uh, I really, you know, I told you I got into it because I wanted to educate, empower, and inspire, and like in a post pre-9-11 world, that was not what news was, you know, my news director was like, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, and I was like, that is so not my spirit, (laughs) Um, so, you know, um, so I watch it to, just kind of understand and see what's going on, but I don't really need it um, to understand and know what's going on. 
Um, in the capacity that I live every day, I'm talking to people, I'm engaging with people, I'm experiencing things. And that life experience for me has positioned me personally and everyone that I engage with to make life-changing decisions. Um, the professionals that are in my life are in tune and I'm a professional who's in tune. So I don't, I'm not an avid reader. Um, I am an avid listener. So I'm always, you know, got my ear to the ground and, and paying attention to, um, to what's going on. And I'm able to have the conversations every day with people that can kind of give me their perspective on their field. And we, you know, we talk shop. So I don't know. I think I probably should be writing some books and, you know, creating podcasts to, to educate people on, um, on what, you know, things that they should know as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you do decide to write a book, let me know. Cause I would love to read that. Thank you. <laughs> love it. Um, and then where do you see yourself in the next five years? What are some long-term goals for you? So in the next five years, um, we have a lot of things that have kind of kicked off and really on the heels of, um, of traditional real estate, bridging it with non-conventional real estate, um, you know, established an entity called Communabuild and then Communabuild Foundation. Um, and those things, um, that's something that, um, you know, my husband is my partner, my family, you know, so it's just continuing and build on something that is defined as real estate and really transitioning it into community development, you know, building our um, community partners to develop areas, um, bring businesses to the communities that um, the people in the community want to see. And just um, imparting the importance of understanding the dynamics of who your audience is. Um, you know, we see a lot of um, builders are all building up right now, you know, four-story townhomes, squeeze as many in as you can. And it's like, is that the best thing for this particular community? Or is that just the best thing that for you in your pocket? There has to be a balance. Mm -hmm. So um, in the next five years, I see, um, you know, myself being really super engaged in that space um, in terms of development and building and agriculture and all those things that come together to really make a community a village again, um, where people, you know, trust and respect and appreciate each other, and that you know the housing market is reflective of the lifestyle that's needed in that community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, not just building to build, but really, you know, building for you know that extra added value of the community. Yeah, building for the growth, right? Mm -hmm. Building for the growth of the people that are living in that space. So that they're not just coming home and it's just like, this is where I live, but then I have to go way over here to go to work or I have to go way over there to do my lifestyle things that I like to do, really building a community for people to grow and enjoy <clears throat> and embrace the people in their communities. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. And then let's say I'm your next prospective client. Why should I call you? Because I'll just show you so much love. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, yeah. I mean, listen to the whole podcast and you'd get that. <laughs> you know, um, just a trusted resource. You know, I'm all about educating you um, because through education, you're empowered to make the decisions that you need to make. You're informed about the decisions that you need to make. It's not me making a decision for you. It's not me leaving it up to you, but it's really giving you all the tools, resources and information so that you're positioned 
it's all about positioning and strategy for me. Um, and that's what I try to help my clients to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. And then tell everybody how they can reach you. What's a good phone number, email, social media handles, things like that. Sure. So to reach me, I, my phone number is 240-715-5138, 240-715-5138, like you do on your voicemail. Mm-hmm. Um, my email is cscott at dcarealtors.com. That's cscott at dca realtors.com and then on social media um facebook instagram and twitter we're dca realtors md dca realtors md and then on linkedin you can find me connect to me let's do business together at sharice calendar scott Oh, perfect. Thank you so much, Sharice, for taking the time to record the podcast with me. Um, it was so fun getting to know you yeah. and, and hearing your story. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow ProTech Inspection Services on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn.